Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include looking ahead to MBA annual, my interview with attorney Jay Vidal on arguments in the Supreme Court case regarding the CFPB, and which way did the latest inflation data drive interest rates? Thanks to today's podcast sponsor, Notary Cam. Notary Cam is a rock star in the world of online notarization and mortgagee closings. With more than 1 million happy customers across all 50 states and 146 countries, they're the true MVPs. The Reclose 360 platform is like the Blue Angels of mortgage closings, handling online scenarios with grace, precision, speed, and confidence. Unrivaled identity verification, Fort Knox level security, and customer ease make it the GOAT. Why is PenFed exiting from correspondent? Well, you should talk to your PenFed rep. But if anyone had to make a harsh guess, it would start by asking, why would any member-based organization with a branch network and thousands of members in this environment feel the need to offer wholesaler correspondent channels to others at very low margins who may be competitors? There will be plenty of competitors under one roof at the MBA's annual starting Sunday. For many IMBs, their goals by going include searching for a great HELOC and our second program, seeing what's new with down payment assistance programs, and seeing the latest in underserved markets. Another topic will, of course, include inflation and interest rates. Is your car insurance up 19%? Yesterday's CPI said so. How about taking the family to Disneyland? A ticket to Disneyland on the most popular days is as high as $194, which is up 8%. A five-day ticket price will rise 16% to $480. Parking is 65 bucks. Sheesh. For today's interview, I wanted to welcome back onto the show attorney Jay Beidel to talk about arguments in the Supreme Court case regarding the CFPB. This last week, the Supreme Court heard arguments uh, in the case involving the constitutionality of the CFPB. Can you outline the arguments the Supreme Court would have heard for us for us? Well, the, the basic the basic argument was whether or not the uh funding uh procedures as stipulated in the statute uh creating the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau uh was constitutionally sound or not. The uh the uh Fifth Circuit Court held that they uh it was it didn't was not constitutionally sound that the uh, the Congress had relinquished control over the the funding, and that's what created created the problem. They said that they gave the commission the power to draw whatever amount of money they want, and the commission has the power to promulgate and enforce rules. And they said that giving them that that power to draw whatever amount of money they want to draw uh, was problematic. And the statute did not give them a, a per se a blank check, but what was addressed in, in the arguments on both sides was that the, uh, the, the limit was uh, of what they could draw was so high that it, it really doesn't come into play. And so they, they, it was con- Considered to be somewhat of an unlimited 
at least from the standpoint of the the plaintiffs uh, or the, the respondent in this case, the the Community Financial Services Association of America, they they considered it to be an unlimited uh, funding ability that the uh, uh, director of the CFPB could draw whatever they wanted uh, it, uh, without any limitation, and that Congress therefore had relinquished any type of control over that bureau. What is the CFPB's case for saying their funding is constitutional? Well, they asserted that, first of all, they're saying that in the Appropriations Clause of the United States Constitution, that it it simply provides that the the Congress has the power and authority to to make make appropriations and debts to be paid by the United States uh, are not to be paid unless appropriation has been made. It does. They're saying that it doesn't specify how that appropriation is to be achieved. And in this case, the uh, the statute that was adopted provided that the CFPB would get its funding not directly from Congress, but would get its funding from the Federal Reserve Board, and that they would, if my memory is correct, that they they would be entitled to withdraw up to twelve percent of the. Uh, uh, I guess liquid assets of the Federal Reserve Board, which I think the uh, the number would have put them in somewhere in the neighborhood of seven hundred fifty million dollars that would be available at presently. Um, so that they were saying, Congress made an appropriation. They described how to how to do it, uh, and Congress tomorrow, if they don't like the way things are going. Can, can amend the law and, and change that type of funding. So they were saying that uh, the Congress did what they were empowered to do, which is to make the appropriations, uh, and it's not to uh, to be left by the Supreme Court to pass judgment on the, the scheme that the uh, Congress selected to do it. And they were also saying that there are other similar agencies uh, that are funded in a similar manner, uh, both presently and historically. So uh, they were saying that this is what's been done in the past. Uh, certainly the, the 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 language of the Constitution doesn't prohibit what they did per se, doesn't specifically prohibit it. Uh, and so where is there a problem? The, the converse argument was that, that Congress could not simply give somebody a blank check, which they said effectively was done because the ceiling was so high that it, it it constitutes a blank check, and that they could not delegate their authority to determine how much money the CFPB gets by delegating that authority to, to the director. And so there's where kind of where the two uh, uh, are opposed to one another uh, on, on the manner of funding. One of them saying it's perfectly okay, there's no specific provisions of the Constitution saying how they have to do it. The other one saying it's perfectly obvious by the Appropriations Clause that the Congress has to identify the money and Congress has to be the one to decide how much can be taken. Well, you almost made me feel sympathy for the CFPB for a second there, but but I bit my lip and, and didn't. So maybe this is a simple yes or no answer, but... Normally, when when the Fifth Circuit hears a case, and then it, it, the Supreme Court agrees to 
to your case, is there any change in uh, arguments or are there any updates in the case? Are there any updates in this case since the last time it was heard in front of a court? Well, there's, there is one because this, the same issue was addressed in the second court, second circuit court, uh, addressing the same issue. I don't remember the citation on the case, but in, in this, the second circuit, they, they upheld the funding procedures for the CFPB. So you had two uh, uh, circuit courts, uh, one fifth circuit saying it's a problem and the second circuit saying it's not a problem. So the update is that there's another federal court on equal footing with the fifth circuit who disagreed with them and ruled just the opposite. And so how does the Supreme Court take that into account uh, in, in deciding the outcome of this case? Well, that is one of the reasons why the Supreme Court would take up a case. Uh, if you have two uh, federal circuit courts in opposite of each other uh, in rendering a decision on the same subject matter, that's a you know prime reason for the Supreme Court to take up the case and lay to rest what the right answer is uh, when you have multiple uh, uh, diametrically opposed opinions. The Supreme Court over the last couple of decades has has been very pro business, and so that would that would spell not a necessarily great outcome for the CFPB here. But do you have personal opinions on on what way you think the Supreme Court is leaning here? Uh, yes, I do. Based upon the uh, based primarily on the questions that were asked by the various justices, uh, I think when they ask a question it kind of gives you a clue which way they're thinking, which way they're leaning. Uh, and, and based upon that, I think that uh, Justice Jackson, Justice Keegan, and Justice Sotomayor uh, are going to vote to uphold the, the statutory uh, funding arrangement. And I think that Justice Gorch, Justice Leto, and Justice Thomas are going to vote that it's a problem and it needs to be fixed. And then I think that Justice Barrett and Chief Justice Roberts and Justice Kavanaugh, to me, they're kind of the swing ones. I couldn't get a read from them, in my opinion, it certainly, uh, which way I think they're going to go. So I, it, I, I, I think there's a 50-50 chance that it could be uh, upheld uh, or that they would say that there's an issue with it and they addressed in, in their discussions uh, what the remedy should be if the court finds that the, the uh, funding procedure is unconstitutional. And it appears that from all sides, the, uh, the, the feeling is that the court should not strike down the CFPB, but rather uh, afford Congress the opportunity to uh, amend the law to bring the funding within constitutional bounds should the Supreme Court hold that it's not within constitutional bounds. In my personal opinion, that, that's what I assume is going to happen. So the, the Supreme Court does not have jurisdiction to say how the CFPB should be funded. It's on Congress to determine that if it's ruled that the overall funding structure is unconstitutional. Is that correct? Uh, that's I, that's my opinion. Yes, there was some discussion in the or oral arguments as to whether or not the court could just say, well, we're going to reform the funding program or funding authorization, and there will be just a fixed amount that's allocated to them. 
and one of the people brought up in the oral arguments, uh, but you know the court's not supposed to legislate. Uh, so the the answer, in my opinion, is the court will not set uh, any type of fix other than the to provide the Congress the opportunity to to make their own fix. And what's the timeline like for the the outcome to be ruled upon here now that arguments have been heard? Uh, what I've seen is that it's going to be after the first of the year. And are, are there ways for companies to prepare for an outcome one way or another? Is that is that not really relevant? What should the industry's takeaway be uh, until the first of the year, until something is ruled upon? Well, in my opinion, uh, based upon the uh, I, I've read the 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 uh, uh, briefs, I've read the amicus briefs uh, from from the various parties that filed. And it's my opinion that the court is either going to uphold the funding uh, arrangement or it's going to say it's it's not within the constitutional bounds and afford Congress the opportunity to make changes. So I think the end result is going to be no disruption in uh, the, the industry in terms of the CFPB and its regulations and what it's already promulgated. So I don't think uh, people in the industry uh, should fear the outcome of this case. And I think they just keep proceeding on the basis as the regulations of the law is today. And in your opinion, the CFPB over, over the last several years has had big fangs when it comes to making examples of companies. And some would say that they've gone above and beyond in in the punishments that they've enacted. And so do you think that regardless of the outcome of this case, or or maybe you could include the outcome, but do you do you think this changes the behavior of the CFPB at all? Like, hey, maybe we we've gone, uh, we've had too hard of a hammer that's that's come down on some of these companies. Maybe it's time to to not be so so uh, tough to work with them a little bit. To, you know, is any of that any remorse here? I don't know. I don't think so. I think the CFPB prides itself on being an advocate for the consumer. And in the Fifth Circuit Court's opinion, when they rendered it, there were other by the the, the plaintiffs at the Fifth Circuit level, the uh, Community Financial Services Association of America, was asserting that the payday rule should be struck down. And the 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 uh, Fifth Circuit did not find fault with any of their other points other than the funding of the CFPB. So I don't think the CFPB is going to see this case as something that uh, tells them they should rein in their approach to dealing with uh, businesses that they believe have violated uh, the regulations of the law. So no, I don't think they're going to change their attitude. Uh, because of this decision, Maybe what's what's the best way for people to to stay informed on this or to uh, get more information? Well, I, I think at this point in time, since the case been submitted to Supreme Court and it's under consideration, oral arguments have been, been submitted. Uh, I, I think there's not a whole lot can, to do but simply wait till the decision is handed down. And for people in the industry, you know, if they'll keep watch with their industry associations, uh, they will, you know, probably be the first to let them know when, uh, what the decision is and, and when it's handed down. 
But uh, other than that, it, it's all been submitted, and now we just wait for the courts, the court to uh, come up with its answer and write its opinion. It sounds like the the best recourse here would be to say, "I'll have you back on the show as soon as the Supreme Court rules on this." I'm I'm very excited to hear your thoughts when they ultimately do issue a, a ruling. That, that'd be that'd be great. I I would enjoy visiting with you on it. Perfect. Well, for the time being, thank you very much, Jay. I, I really appreciate your insight on this. Well, Robbie, I appreciate your coming to me and, and speaking with me. Uh, it's really a, a compliment to me, and I appreciate it. Yes, sir. Driving interest rates, we learned yesterday that price growth in September came in somewhat stronger than expected, with the Consumer Price Index, or CPI, rising 0.4% month over month versus expectations for a 0.3% gain. There was no sequential change in the year-over-year inflation rate of 3.7%. Excluding food and energy, prices also rose 0.3%. Of course, CPI is set to recede further in the coming year as shelter disinflation resumes, supply-related pressures ease, and consumers grow more price-sensitive. However, Treasuries extended the recent sell-off that's pushed up yields in the past month, which has also driven up borrowing costs. September import and export prices kicked off today's calendar, and later today brings October Michigan sentiment and remarks from Philadelphia Fed President Harker. Bank earnings also get underway before the open when J.P. Morgan, Citigroup, and Wells Fargo report alongside with BlackRock and PNC mm-hmm. Financial. We begin the day with eight and CMBS prices, better by an eighth to a quarter, the 10-year yielding 4.62 after closing yesterday at 4.71%, and the two years hovering around 5.03%. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. It's like what the beaver said to the rabbit as they stared up at the immense bulk of the Hoover Dam. No, I didn't actually build it, but it is based on an idea of mine. (laughs) Thanks again to True for sponsoring today's podcast. To learn more about lending intelligence and True, visit True.ai. Make smart lending decisions fast with True. If you have any questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities, send me an email at Robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.